0: hello everyone welcome to a2i dyslexia the title of this podcast is all things dyslexia and of course yes we do discuss everything to do with dyslexia and we just love this platform this is a platform where you can speak how you feel and not have to sugarcoat anything for the sake of whatever it might be it is all things dyslexia and i think sometimes we've got to keep it real And I speak for myself, there are times when I've had to actually conform to the way everybody else works. And I've left that environment feeling, don't want to use the word right here, but feeling really, really like, oh my goodness, that was really, really took a lot out of me. I think as a dyslexic person, um, sometimes I do like to work in my own way. And when we say all things dyslexia, that's what we mean. So I would like to welcome and two amazing ladies um, who are doing great work within the community. Before I do that, we want to say a very big thank you to our funders, London Lottery Community Fund, Social Enterprise Support Fund and Resonance for supporting our podcast for this year. Today we are speaking about dyslexia and employment And I'd like to introduce myself to our um, listeners. My name is Elizabeth Tetchy. I'm the founder and the CEO of A2I Dyslexia. And this topic couldn't be closer to my heart than any other topic we've spoken about. Because I have been there, done it, won the T-shirt, as the saying goes. And I'd like to welcome the amazing Charlotte Edmonds and Elizabeth Erifian. Here we go. Welcome to A2I Dyslexia, all things dyslexia. How are you both feeling? Very excited to be here.
1: Yeah, really really appreciate the platform and um, and really looking forward to hearing about your experiences as well um, in employment and yeah it's a really big topic and I can't wait to kind of get stuck into it really yeah wonderful
2: and Charlotte yeah similarly I think it's going to be really nice to reminisce and look back at previous experiences and and discuss and share and of
0: course why move beyond words was founded so yeah great welcome if you'd like to introduce yourself each to our listeners If I start first with Charlotte, if you tell us a little bit about your background. I know you are one of the founders of Move Beyond Worse, but tell us a little bit more of what you do and why this topic is so close to your heart.
2: Oh, wow. Um, So I'm a choreographer and dancer um, and I predominantly work in the UK, um, but I've also created works in Europe and America. I trained at the Royal Ballet Lower School and then continued my training at Romba School of Ballet and contemporary dance. And then after training joined the Roll Up House as their inaugural young choreographer, which is really interesting to talk about because obviously it's a large company within the industry and interesting to reflect on experiences with employment. Um, Because after that, I transitioned from um, being fully employed by the company to self-employed as a freelance choreographer and dance artist and working with many different companies for short periods of time Um, but also managing myself as an individual. Um, And as you mentioned, the founder of Maybe Works with Liz, we met through um, a collaborator and basically shared each other's experiences within the industry. It was fascinating to hear from someone else going through a, a similar kind of emotion and to just have a buddy to speak to, excited to kind of Delve into that a little bit further, but that is um, a little bit about me.
0: Wonderful. And now Elizabeth.
1: Yeah, so um I'm a filmmaker, a choreographer, and a creative director. And I trained at Liverpool Theatre School and then headed straight to London with uh, you know, sites set on the West End. And I yeah, worked in in different shows and um internationally and in the UK. And then kind of hit a bit of a brick wall really in kind of where i was heading with my career and just felt compelled to look into you know what were the blockages what were the hurdles that i was facing and as i began to kind of look at that i decided to pick up a camera and actually start to document that experience which led me to my dyslexia and adhd and i began a series called creative black hole um which um the title is now questionable I'm a <laughs> I would have changed at the time but you know 10 years five years later or however many years Um yeah so then that series kind of led me to kind of interview different creatives a lot of, of were close friends and close collaborators and to look at how their dyslexia impacted them and how they actually got to move past that and what their kind of tips were and so I really really kind of looked inwards and and looked for support and realized that I was completely you know not alone in the challenges that I was facing in the in the career that I was in um and met Charlie in that process and you know teaming up to have a bigger impact in our creative industry for those who are struggling you know I realized how many people were really really struggling which is a topic that isn't often discussed in our industry you know often people are led to a creative Mm -hmm. career um, but yet we don't have the infrastructure to, to support those freelancers so yeah that kind of we we joined forces and it was fascinating to hear what the work that Charlotte was making at the time and and held so much value and I remember crying at one of your performances yes. Charlie oh. she she did a um choreographed a piece left from right yeah. and um that was at the Limbury Theatre and it was you know just so moving to see physically the experiences that yes. we go through yeah. And to have that without words was so important. And, you know, I, I continue to feed that my experiences, my personal experiences into into my work, specifically looking at kind of underrepresented voices and, and marginalized voices.
0: Wow. This is so amazing. Great. Honestly. Now, if I just stay with you still, Elizabeth, how old were you when you were diagnosed? I mean, not age, don't give me the number, but how long ago rather? Was it in, when you were young? Or was it recently or was it when you were at uni and how did it make you feel?
1: I was eight, quite young, and my mum was in tears when she told me Um, and she said, you know, life's going to be quite difficult. You're going to have quite a few hurdles that you're going to have to push through more so than others and I remember just thinking, "Why are you saying this? <laughs> you know I think it it mm. really kind of created this character that I'm really thankful for that was like you you know i I can do this like i I can be as good as everyone else, and I think that mentality has has definitely stuck with me through my career of you know always pushing further than people's expectations are of me, and so I'm really thankful for that, but it was definitely. A very confusing time, and and the lack of resources for my mum to get the support she needed as well at the time was, you know, it's it's really sad to reflect on, you know, what she must have gone through as well as a as a single parent. You know, I really, I really admire what she she did, and how she was
0: able to support. And sometimes the apart from the resources, the finances as well. That you know how much it cost and tuition and all those things. And sometimes it's like, do I? Well, actually, some of the things I've been hearing from people that come for our services is, do I put food on the table or do I go for that one-to-one support for that child? And it can be very, very challenging.
1: Yeah, very challenging. Yeah, um, you know, my mum. There's four of us, and um, yeah, it was it was definitely a really challenging time, and the, but there wasn't much out there, and, and but she did, you know, really push for additional. Uh, learning and and um, and kind of moved me to a different school where they they actually acknowledged that dyslexia was a thing, um, and you know she she definitely did what she could, but yeah it's it's heartbreaking to for families that just don't have the finances, and um, you know it's something that we really focus on at Move Beyond Words is to make accessible work. I think it's yes. it's incredibly important to
0: bridge the gaps within society absolutely thank you so much for that Elizabeth now Charlotte if I come to you now so again you know when were you diagnosed and you know if it was in your adulthood or whether it was in your childhood how did it make you feel and how has it helped you having a diagnosis if you just sort of let our listeners hear a little bit about your diagnosis as well
2: similarly well similarly to Liz I was young Um, at school and my mum is in education so she noticed certain traits within my behaviour at home and she asked a colleague I think Charlie's got dyslexia would you mind doing this test so I think it was a kind of small test just a couple of exercises to understand if if I had these tendencies and um, I kind of from that moment knew I had dyslexia and similarly to your mum Liz you know my my mum was kind of worried for life ahead and I wasn't really at that point I knew that there was this kind of um burden that was going to be over my shoulders for a while through education especially but shortly after that I started dancing and um mum was working incredibly late um to support my sister and I who also has dyslexia so I suppose my mum noticed my traits mm. she'd seen in my sister so in that way I was quite lucky um to identify earlier but with that almost comes that uh kind of represent- representation for yourself and I do think finding out earlier is helpful because you can find strategies but maybe you know when you're a child it's hard to put those strategies in place for yourself place. you do lean on other people but yeah. dance was really um, my kind of way out of that worry um and um, it wasn't until I kind of got older and obviously as you do more administration and and sort of uh, start to work with other people and and life becomes more challenging professionally um you do recognize you know your dyslexia in a more in-depth way but I suppose what was really helpful is that um, in year six, I auditioned for the Royal Ballet School and therefore my, my year group shortened massively. It There was 24 people in a year and because I was in second set, seven people in a class and that school is means tested. So it enabled people who from all different backgrounds, all different parents who are in different situations to be able to attend and without that i wouldn't have been able to go and i feel incredibly lucky and fortunate to have had that because that was where i was able to focus massively and i saw the difference in my work but still that feeling of mm. oh my gosh i'm only in school yeah. how is university going to feel how is work life going to feel when i'm an adult and i suppose it was those pressures that and the unknown that was more vivid at that point than ever I suppose, yeah, I think the the how dyslexia has helped me now is, I suppose, um, kind of confronting it, understanding it, being emotional with it and, and finding the strengths and challenges. And as long as you identify those aspects, um, it's so much easier to implement ways of working for yourself. And if you can do that early in life, uh, um, you know, through education, through those more challenging environments for someone with dyslexia um things start to become uh yeah or language and or, or things or, or capabilities start to become a lot clearer and what i mean by language is like you kind of understand the language of dyslexia right you kind of get it but it's it's still an ongoing kind of discovery and and that's the kind of the beauty of, of moving on words is that over the last four years yeah, yeah. we've spoken about dyslexia more than ever and, and you know, we both went into speaking about dyslexia through our creative practice, and that essentially gave us that voice and that interest to find out more. Um, so it's helped in many ways.
0: <laughs> yes, it is. And I think the great thing is having the diagnosis young yeah. opens doors. Everybody I've spoke to in the last six years of doing the job I do Once they were diagnosed very young, open the doors. It wasn't easy, but it was a little bit easier. Yeah. Having the diagnosis earlier, as in what support is there in place, than someone like me who got diagnosed at 32. So between that age of eight, when you got diagnosed to that age of 32, you can imagine how chaotic my life must have been. That If I was diagnosed younger, would it have made a difference? So as a result, I left school with no qualifications, you know, and I left school really a rebel, if I can use that word. Honestly, I was the most naughtiest child you could find from that primary to secondary and always got into trouble. always got into fights and arguments and all sorts of things because I'm not proud of it. I'm just saying if I would have known that this is what it is, I could have, something could have been done and kept me sort of under control. They're not knowing and I've met many particularly a lot of people from the black community or black and Asian community where we were diagnosed at university now that's fortunate for me to have gone so imagine I hadn't gone that route and we meet many across across the, the platforms um, and the work that we do and that's why I always say to parents if you get a slight inkling that mm, something can't right please seek the help don't wait till that child don't wait till they're in that adulthood because it it's got severe sort of, it's left a lot of marks, mental health, anxiety, trauma, afraid to get it wrong, panic, all sorts of things. And you beat yourself up all the time. You know, I, I always say should have, would have, could have. It's too late. Listen, let's move forward. You can't forget those trauma, you know, the things that it's, it's kind of created. And um, and the more work you do around that, the more it reminds you of where you were, you know, and on the plus side, where, how far you've come, because it's not, you know it's also great to celebrate the successes and the things that you we've done both yourself Charlotte Elizabeth and myself and other um dyslexics that are listening to this podcast podcast right now yeah I mean Elizabeth did you want to contribute to that yeah I mean it's just such a
1: massive achievement like the work that you're doing now I always I always try to um no I don't try to I completely believe that um you know, we we go where we need to go, and we we learn the lessons we need to learn along that route, however hard they are. And it's beautiful that you've been able to turn your experiences into this company that, you know, contributes to so many people's lives. So, yeah, just to acknowledge you really for for, you know, facing those challenges and and taking those learnings and and being able to turn them into something that has become such a strength because it is so challenging you know even you know though I was diagnosed at eight so many things that you were saying there about mental health and anxiety and um, you know I have a complex around like you know my self-worth and you know there's a whole list of things that I can pinpoint right back to a moment in the classroom you know and and so to to go through that without the diagnosis yeah Yeah. it's just a a
0: big acknowledgement to you really and you know what? I can't take that credit on my own. there's amazing Mm. people in A2I that does incredible job you know Uh, I can't just take this credit and go yeah this is where we are we've landed we've not landed we're still learning you know there are times when you know I'll shut my laptop and tears are just flowing because I just don't know what to do with the next day you know and I talk a lot about mental health and I didn't even know anxiety is part of a mental health thing. I didn't know. I just thought, listen, you're afraid and scared of things. Just don't do them. Not knowing it's pandemic that highlighted this for me. You know, mm-hmm. That heart palpitation, that worry, that get it, getting it wrong, that want to get it perfect. So my emails are like, delete, start again, delete, start again. And that's like, listen, you're repeating this like in an hour. Just send it, Elizabeth, you know. <laughs> send the emails, for example, you know. So, you know, it kind of brings me back to the topic we're talking about today, which is dyslexia and employment. Now, we work for ourselves. How has both your experiences been when you weren't working for yourself and you worked for someone else? So if I can start that maybe with Charlotte. Do you know
2: what? It's interesting. I was thinking about this before we jumped on this podcast. And no one has ever asked me if I have dyslexia or if I'm neurodivergent, or if I have any access needs, I am silent. (laughs) And I feel like there's obviously different nationalities, different industries, different structures, Um, but really only recently do I bring that into the conversation. But it's it's an interesting observation over the past 10 years or nearly 10 years next year no one asked me that so that's my first observation
0: (laughs) is is, is that because the work you do doesn't involve in you disclosing your dyslexia I guess
2: no I think I think it needs to be it needs to be part of practice Mm -hmm. and not necessarily in an obvious way yes It was. It's difficult that it wasn't addressed just out of pure practice. And actually, uh, a lot of the time when choreographing in, in different spaces, you have to create a biography or um, a concept notes and you write those up. You've got to describe your concept. If you want to get funding, you've got to describe and articulate your kind of idea in, in various different forms. And when I shared this concept with um, a producer that I was working with, um, i proof checked it but probably missed it. A ton of spellings and I was like oh I have proofread I have proofread this someone with dyslexia this is mm. going to be completely right this passage of text um and sent it over to producers and it's like but there might be some spelling errors because I'm dyslexic and their responses were oh right that makes
0: sense
2: oh, dear. <laughs> but then the anxiety kicked and I was like oh my gosh what what have oh, I shared what what in mm. my way of being has been very neurodivergent I think that was a learn that's a perfect opportunity if anyone's listening who's working with someone who's neurodivergent to open the dialogue and go, oh you're dyslexic. Okay, or you've got ADHD or you you've got neurodivergent tendencies. So okay, how can we help this process in the future? Um, and I think it just nice ways of opening dialogue like that um, just creates a, like a, a beautiful way of working, a great working relationship with other people, uh, greater understanding of one another and greater work. Yeah, I think that's that's really my takeaways. It's it's been interesting an interesting experience working with various different people for short periods of time as well when working away in different work spaces, because everyone has their own structure and different nationalities work in very different ways. Um, so it's it's quite complex, actually. Um, so the one mm. kind of advice I've given myself is I, I can I can really relate to you, Elizabeth, but every day is really different and sometimes you close the laptop and it's been a quite emotionally exhausting day and so the one thing that's kind of pushed me is to try and find a kind of core stability and balance moving if you're shifting into different spaces like to really find a few ways that really work for you and to know that walking in so that's more so I suppose from a self-employed point of view but at the same time being self-employed you're working with Institutions and, and and
0: large workforces. That was so beautifully put. Thank you so much for that. Now, if I can come to Elizabeth and hear your experience of dyslexia and employment. I've probably had about
1: 20 jobs outside of the creative sector, probably more. Um, and I think that says a lot. I found it really, really, really challenging. I just had to jump onto the next thing. I could never stay in one place and and do one thing. You know, I get very, very bored so easily. And my mind is like this spider web that, you know, I have this, um, I guess it's a strength and a weakness at the same time where I can juggle, you know, I'm probably juggling at the moment around eight different projects and you know i i love that you know that's where i thrive and i can be in so much detail and and hyper focused on those different projects and what the outcomes should be and and who should be involved and connecting people and you know that's where i'm my skill sets really lie but when i'm when i was working on a reception desk and i just couldn't um i couldn't I think with the less amount of things to do, the more I struggle, you know, if I've just mm-hmm. got to send emails and respond, I will daydream and I'll go off into another world and I'll, you know, end up doing other things that I'm not supposed to do. And then I won't do the thing I'm I'm meant to be doing. So I've not had great experiences, but I've definitely in the last kind of, you know, probably six years that i've been working professionally in the creative sector um harnessed what my strengths are and just really kind of driven them home and and focused on on them and i think when it comes to business and that that kind of 360 thinking and creative thinking that that's where i i do come alive and um and and can and can thrive so yes yeah, it's, it's weird that it's like the smaller things I struggle with like the more simpler things I find really difficult but you know give me 10 you know really challenging projects all at once then like let's go I'm on um so
0: yeah and is, and is that purely is that purely because it's true with your ADHD in terms of you need to always have your brain stimulated and doing things all the time and then I guess the dyslexia bit It's just really sort of, I'm trying to sort of understand it a bit more because I work like how you work, Mm. you know, I'm like, I need more. Listen, give me more to do. And then it's like, hang on, the dyslexia is saying, well, actually you've got plenty, but how are you going to start writing that report? You know, so I've got the two (laughs) combined and it becomes really chaotic. It's all, it's that spaghetti junction. It's like all (laughs) mumbo-jumbo.
1: That
0: sounds very familiar. (laughs) Things just go wrong, don't they? Yeah.
1: Yeah, they do. Mm. But I kind of love it. I kind of love when things go wrong. I I, <laughs> I I do, I, I, I think like, you know, it's, I think if anything was linear, it would be really boring. But when life happens, we react. And I think it's a real asset of people who are dyslexic or, or neurodivergent really, you know, we react. We are great at reacting and finding an outcome and being those problem solvers, which I'm sure many of your guests have said before, But that's where we thrive. And and I think, you know, it would be boring if everything went to plan. You know, we've, we've got to be adaptable. Of course. Elizabeth, have you had
0: to ever disclose your dyslexia in those 20 jobs?
1: There was one I was a receptionist and they let me go. And I was really, really upset about it because I couldn't count the till at the end of the I kept getting it wrong I kept getting the cash flow wrong at the end and I was so frustrated that I was doing that um but I couldn't I couldn't retain their system it was so complex and they let me go and I I did explain like you know I really didn't want them to think that you know I had been cheating them in any way or you know so I you know I did explain then and I felt incredibly uncomfortable and vulnerable doing that um and I think it was around that point in fact it was that that point I just stopped applying for any jobs and started to make my own work and you know I was so embarrassed by the situation that um I, I started to nanny and through nannying I created this really great business just through word of mouth and and it, it worked really well for
0: me yeah I guess this is why 20% of British startup um organized companies rather um and I've got the statistics here 20% of UK business self-starters have dyslexia according to Cass Business School and that came out in 2015 um wow. it goes to show isn't it and also mm. we're talking about employment when you look at the other side four out of 10 unemployed people are using Centre Plus that yeah. statistic is horrific And 40 to 50% of prison inmates have got dyslexia.
1: That's my favourite, well, not my favourite fact, but it's one that I I bring up a lot because it's just so shocking. And what are we doing about it? What is being done? I just, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. I mean, Charlotte, did you want to contribute to this?
2: I think, actually, I'm trying to put this into, into a concise sentence, which is like disclosing your dyslexia is sometimes uh you know you opt out of it for fear of judgment and so then you put pressure to really perform and put yourself in really uncomfortable scenarios that you know you're going to struggle with but I think I remember that feeling and felt a lot of um a quite um what's the word energized or you got a, like in a kind of and adrenaline from it, like speaking, you'd be like, I'm gonna really struggle with this. So quick, how can I get there? And then afterwards, it was the impact of just like dropping and knowing then like how, how much that had affected you, which I think comes back to the mental health issues is it's the behind the scenes that is really challenging. Like the impact that that job had on you Liz to stop for a second and then turn and look at a different option, like you said, like brilliant and problem-solving going like, actually, where can I go with this? But that is where I think that I worry a lot. And I think that's where the worry came in of reflecting and, and feeling the feelings behind closed doors. And then almost like, maybe it's because we're performers, <laughs> you were always told to like never show real emotion in the, in the studio, in, in the space, and you kind of shut the door on that. And I think that was brought into this, this way of work. And I only mention that because it reminds me of experiences with dyslexia. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think that's where, you know, feeling overwhelmed can be really challenging. And a lot of the time where I have mentioned, if I have mentioned my dyslexia, it's normally with people that I'm asked, collaborators I'm asking to come board and work on a project, um, and, and from that, it's just like, you know where you need the help and and just feeling overwhelmed sometimes. Like uh, similarly, when you're working on several different projects, it's a brilliant way of working. And then sometimes you're like, oh, oh my gosh. And like stopping and, and just even having a buddy, um, even if you're not working with them, but a friend to turn to and just like offload. Because um, I think, especially when it's so isolating, if you're working for yourself, or working from home, especially in today, after the pandemic, a lot of people are remote working, and that's why we set up the podcast. Because we, and this is why we're talking on this podcast, is that, you know, it's connecting with people and 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 just kind of um, it's 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 really hard to to kind of suffer in silence, really, when you think about.
0: Of course. Yeah, because when you're working from home, you're all alone. And in, in the office, you yeah. can walk to someone's desk and say to them, actually, what do you think of this? But when you're at home, you're, you're sort of left on your yeah. own to figure it out, which I do quite a lot. And then, um, <laughs> you know, I go to bed yeah. and say, was oh, that done right? And I'll be beating myself mm-hmm. up, up for yeah. it. But, yeah, but, hey, you know, it is... I always say to people, the sex is real. I can't sugarcoat it in any way. I think the minute people see me or know me, they are say, oh, yeah, she... There's something, something definitely. Because... <laughs> you know from, from the minute you tell me your name it's like what's your name again what's your name again I mean I'm asking you 15 times before we start that meeting you know <laughs> and I'm bound to forget something and that, that I think people think oh actually you know and then if I have to tell you I will if I don't have to tell you I don't need to but I do tend to get a lot is you don't look dyslexic I'm like okay don't have four eyes So funny. yeah I get that all the time you don't look at oh you don't That's look at so Elizabeth so you articulate really well I'm like eh, what's dyslexic the best thing I'm supposed to look like you know but wow yeah now, let me move on very quickly to my next question. I'm going to go to Elizabeth for this one. Liz, what advice would you give to employers to support the uh, employees in the workspace? One. And two, if it's in the a creative industry, what's the a few things that you could share with our listeners? Because um, I'm sure there might be a few dancers or dyslexic people in general listening to this and thinking, I don't know what to do. I know Charlotte mentioned something about you got to write when you're writing the play and things, it's all written stuff, isn't it? Mm. Um, so what kind of advice would you give?
1: Yeah. So I guess for employees, um, I can only talk from my own experience of, of employing people, which is um, be inquisitive into who it is that you're working with, um, check in and make sure that you're giving people the space to, talk openly about what it is, you know, that they're they're dealing with. Um and search for resources. I think there's so much out there that I've now learned, but it's taken a really long time to find them. So um, you know, on the Move Beyond Words website, we've got a resource page there that that people can can look at and um and that's kind of focused more on the creative sector um and yeah I think I think the biggest thing though is is just the check-ins giving people the space to talk and and be open about what they're going through and then I think for people in the creative arts um come see us you know come talk to us look at our platforms you know we're always open to talking to people and and Um, guiding people on specific issues that they might be facing and also just I think as a creative we need to just appreciate and accept where we are and that it's okay where we are and I think this goes for everyone and um, a friend of mine Steve Chapman said learn to love the ditch you're in you know if you're if you're not feeling great and at the time I I wasn't I was going through a bit of a mental breakdown i was going through a bit a bit of a mental breakdown and he just said yeah learn to live the learn to love the ditch you're in explore it get inquisitive with it um and feed it into something you know don't make it wrong you know we will definitely go through ups and downs and the more we make them wrong the harder it is to get out of those situations, but yeah. just be be with it. Yeah, I be, get it. Be with the whole process. Yeah. And I think as someone with ADHD and dyslexia, I am always going through those ups and downs. You know, every day I'm I'm challenged in a different way, um, but I'm learning to appreciate that and to just mm. um, find the dance with it. <laughs> Excuse the cheesy pun, but yeah, just to mm. kind of. Um, treat it as a bit of an exchange I'm learning something and and dyslexia is a teacher for me and and will always continue to be that
0: yeah it's quite funny actually sometimes I get up in the morning I'll go good morning dyslexia what have you got in store for me today oh that's great because it can take a turn you can wake up all jolly ready to face the world and then you hit stumbling block and you're like oops you know how do I deal with this now um but like I said, what can I do? There's not much I can do about this brain of mine. Mm-hmm. You know, it is, it, it is what it is. And I think one of the things we we, we practice or when we, we say at A2Y Dyslexia is learn to love where you are and acceptance of the neurodiversity. Yeah. So thank you for that, Elizabeth. And if I can go to Charlotte with the same sort of question, I mean, you know, what advice would you give to Um, anyone who's listening and who may be in the creative industry and facing challenges because we're not just dancing are we if we are choreographers we're not we're doing more than that and I think you know the work that yourself and uh, Elizabeth do in move beyond words is absolutely phenomenal because when when Elizabeth was speaking about you did um, a performance and she was almost in tears I'd love to see something like that and it's lots of us that would love to because we if you express things sort of what's the word creatively as a dyslexic it all you know makes sense and I love the work you do and I just wondered if you can share an advice for someone who's literally having a meltdown at the moment or maybe going through challenges and in the industry of creativity
2: well I would say lean into what you love Um, because that will act as the best tool for you, Um, and find a support system. You know, like you said, there's so many different um, facets, really, to, to being an artist that you don't discover until you've embarked on the profession. And so having that support system to, to lean on and, and, and ask, sometimes I sit in my room and I wish that the walls talk to me, <laughs> you know, I really wish that there was, I could just ask one question. Mm-hmm. Um, so like having, having a support system around you is really, really important. Mm-hmm. And, and finally, the you know, there still is a lack of understanding around neurodivergency. And so if you find an understanding for yourself, I think the hardest thing is if you're dyslexic is to try and articulate that. And that's still something I really struggle Mm -hmm. with. And it's probably because I'm still understanding it. But if you can grasp aspects, it'll create transparency and enable you to feel more comfortable in these environments. And those environments, I mean, is like the workplace or, um, you know, I, I really value when someone comes forward and says you know this is something that you'll notice within me and it's because of this you know and just to then know that um you know they're quite (laughs) that's quite a loose way but you could say you know my processing speed is a little bit slow so I'm going to record this conversation and I hope that's okay you know just all these kind of ways of working my advice would be start practicing it and practice it with people that you feel comfortable with initially and then let it become your way of being, you know, and, and, and then hopefully that will leave an impression on other people, like transform um, their, their mentality or their um, approach. So I think like, you know, be your own buddy, easier said than done. And and to help yourself be your own body, create that support system, and just remember, find like to go back over these things. Mm. Just remember the things you really love, the things you thrive in, and lean on those more than you think you do. Turn to those um, on like moments of of anxiety; they will be a real, yeah, a real support system. So they're kind of. I'd love to take
0: my own advice to be honest <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes yeah thank you thank you so much and I bring, this brings me to the end of the podcast thank you charlotte edmonds and elizabeth erifian thank you so much continue with the amazing work that you're doing you know a move beyond words is just absolutely phenomenal and it's gonna go really far and if you do have any performances please do let me know so of course, we'd love to share that with our community and um, you know get people to come and support the work you do. Thank you very much for your time. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank our funders, London Lottery Community Fund, Social Enterprise Support Fund and Resonance. So I just want to say thank you. And also thank you to Yola for producing the podcast and Elia Onya Morris, who is the researcher. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you very much for always engaging with us. We'll see you next week, same time, same place with a different topic. Thank you very much. Bye-bye for now. The Aspire to Inspire All Things Dyslexia podcast is funded by National Lottery Community Fund, Social Enterprise Support Fund, and Resonance Limited. It's presented by Elizabeth Tashi and produced and distributed by Salt and Pepper Productions.